Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Joe, we're back at Newport, and Aye. it's looking like it's looking like once again Matt Kelly's rules of deduction when when trying to guess what happens next on the OC are continuing to be true. Um, which is, of course, my theory that as soon as they show you what the exit's probably going to be from that storyline, they don't waste any time getting to that exit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to Charlotte. I must say, na 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 na, na 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 na. Hey hey hey, goodbye. Because uh, I'm gonna guess that we never see or even really hear about Charlotte again from this point on. I mean, you're definitely not gonna see her. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she'll come up, but for how long? It'll be a Joe? very like flip comment two- from Seth yeah. in season four, right? Yeah, like it'll. <laughs> yeah, remember that time that lady tried to take Ma for all of our money? Bop it up it up and like moving on. That's in case you haven't caught on. Bop it up it up is my version of transitional music in the <laughs> Like Seinfeld, like yeah, boom da bop it up up. Like yeah, I think it makes sense. In my head, it makes sense. I think it's spot on. I learned something while watching this episode, Joe, and I think I sent you a text giving you a heads up. But this episode really locked in what is like the pet peeve that drives me insane with the OC. Okay. Tell me. Now we've gone over the, the like, it's basically a joke at this point that every season of the OC is like seven mini seasons Mm -hmm. smashed together. And it's like the most rushed of rushed storytelling. And it's, I mean, that is, that is, part of why this is the pet peeve that it is but it's in order to rush the storytelling they kind of just do the same shit like eight times in an episode and for this one it was it was around the third time that Volchek showed up trying to get Ryan into a fight and I just thought 
why is this all happening in one episode? Why is this not like across a couple episodes, this dude keeps showing up egging on Ryan? Why must it be every three minutes in this episode, we need to take a break for the Volchek wants Ryan to fight, Ryan's not going to fight him Mm -hmm. storyline to like also be seemingly resolved by the end of this 45 minute episode. Like it's just, it's sloppy. It's sloppy and unsatisfying to watch. Yeah. And like, I love that you said that like seemingly resolved, right? Because I'm sure it's not over because until someone's dead in the OC, they're never gone. Yeah. (laughs) They, this episode does what I think is indicative of like a lot of, television at this time is that they've introduced you to the big bad right Mm -hmm. they've introduced you to the one that's not gonna go away because but he's gonna go away temporarily for a bit but i mean you know again it's like three seasons in one right so yeah it's just like oh the the writers want you to know that this is not something that can be ignored and is and they're also trying to play with the idea that like at any given point in Newport, there needs to be like some unstable ruffian, <laughs> and it's not Orion it, right now. It's giving, um, if I was to compare it to anything, it's giving me a lot of that Simpsons joke where Homer, Homer, oh my god, uh, where Homer, were you trying to say Woder and Homer? <laughs> no, I don't know what happened, but when Homer, oh, it happened again. <laughs> When Homer Simpson <laughs> is cast as Poochie the dog and he has his list of suggestions to fix the cartoon and one of them is anytime that Poochie's not on screen, everyone should be wondering, hey, where's Poochie? <laughs> and it's like, I feel like that's the OC writer's room is like every time that this character is not on camera, everybody should be wondering why is it this character hanging out with us right now so that the audience doesn't forget that they're supposed to be there. <sighs> All right. Stress is out of the way. Get that. That's that's I'm, I'm setting it up with that right now because that is like the underlying stress level of this episode is every time Volchek shows up. Yeah. I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah. Um, but the episode starts on a high, Joe. It starts off with Summer and Marissa doing the bring it on cheer that I know, I think, by heart still. So I was like, this is great. I'm loving this. I'm sexy. Um, I'm cute. I'm, I'm popular cute. I'm to, boot. To, to, to boot. I'm bitchy. Great hair. The boys all love to boys stare. Love to scare. I want uh, it. So- I'm hot. Sorry. <laughs> Can we just do the whole thing? <laughs> no, we got to keep moving. Um, something that I cannot believe mm-hmm. is that during this lock-in, while they were having like some point in the lock-in where they were opening up, that Seth talked about Captain Oates to the entire senior class. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> we are like, that didn't happen. That wasn't a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm refusing to accept that. Yeah. Um, Taylor very much not taking the hint that Seth isn't interested. Um, So I want to focus on this for a little bit. So this plot line kind of pops in and out. And I wrote down another note where I said, like, I feel like all the pieces are here to make Taylor a very likable person. And they keep kind of failing at it Mm -hmm. um, as they're trying to assemble those pieces. Because, like, right now, 
the story arc to me here here's what i know i know that when i mention the name taylor townsend to any uh oc fan no one's like oh i love that character it's always like ugh. yeah so <laughs> so one of one of like my brain says that one of two to three things happen here okay what does your brain say my brain says just based on the human reaction that people give to this name that either a she continues to do conniving evil shit throughout the rest of the season mm-hmm. as we've seen her prone to do two Seth and Summer break up so Seth can date Taylor Townsend for a little bit. Or the third option, which is that I know that there will be a vacancy in the death of Marissa and that they try to just slide her in as the replacement Marissa and expect the audience to be okay with it. One of those three things clearly happens because boy... Does every OC fan hate this character? And I'm just applying OC from the past as well as what I know made Gilmore Girls fans real upset. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, is she like the Luke's daughter of the OC? Like, is she this character that just shows up and everybody's like fucking awful? How dare this character be here? She has a line that is my favorite line in this episode, honestly, mm-hmm. where... She's venting to Seth that he's just being nice to her out of pity, that she doesn't have any friends. And she goes, for crying out loud, even the Grinch had a little dog. (laughs) And I thought, that's a really good line, actually. That's like a heartwarmingly sad line. Don't love the fact that Seth kind of doesn't scoff at the idea of dating Taylor because he's in love with Summer, but scoffs at having Dean Hess's seconds. I know. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> it was like Dean, I think he said it like Dean Hess's sloppy seconds. And I'm like, yeah. Ah! Didn't need nope. to know that. Did not like that. Now, Summer is obviously pissed at Taylor. Uh, for the lock-in situation, she even tells Seth that she's pretty sure she bruised her hand by how hard she was banging on the door for this girl to not let her in. I mean, I understand her frustration. Uh, this leads to when Taylor does something a little crazy, which is that she shows up at Seth's house and then steals Captain Oats to return Captain Oats in front of Summer to like. I love that. She create. Does- Something a little crazy. <laughs> Something a little crazy. There's a little bit of crazy there. Um, but like... <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the, the line where uh, Summer overhears that there is a woman in Seth's room and he says that he's listening to This American Life and her description of This American Life, I wish I had written it down, but it's so funny. It's like, is that that show where those hipsters just sit around and talk about their lives or something? And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty... That's, that's yeah. about as good of a definition of that show as I could think of. I'm okay with where things are going with the Taylor side of things so far, but I am also prepared for this to not be great. Like, <laughs> good. I, I I've I believe that we've trained you well, Matt. <laughs> we've trained you well. I still don't want to walk away from the kids just yet. I really have to ask a question. 
where is the security at this school? <laughs> like, I, you are talking about a prestigious, rich campus mm-hmm. that that has done so much to try to keep Ryan out just for his birthplace being Chino. Yeah. <laughs> and, and who successfully expelled Marissa for self-defense against her rapist. Yeah. But when a gang of kids is hanging out in the parking lot, sitting on the hood of somebody's car, and are able to fully key the word little bitch into the side of it, there's not a security guard to be found Mm -hmm. to, like, shut that shit down. Again, similarly to Seth talking about cat moats at the lock-in, I ain't buying it, Joe. Well, I mean, Matt, let's, let's be frank, right? Dean Hess is out. So, you know, he took all the security, the security law, went with him. He, uh, he had a good bond the window, with the security. You know. Yeah, that's what it that's what it clearly is. I'm going to pause here and I think we're going to talk about the adults and then I want to come back to Ryan and Volchek to wrap up because okay. because my star rating was greatly affected by the last 2 minutes of this episode. Um so let's just get this out of the way. You gave me a little bit of a preconceived emotion. Mhm. Uh, when it came up an episode or two ago. But man, I can tell I'm going to be right there with you that I am not going to enjoy this Sandy Runs the Newport group subplot at all. <laughs> this dude, this young hotshot is already showing himself to be a real piece of shit <laughs> early on. The only yeah. saving grace in this subplot so far is that it does seem to be until it's not going to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. But right now, it seems to be really reuniting Sandy and Kirsten into the power couple that they are. Because he's going through a tough go with everything that he has to do with this. And she's, you know, when she says, like, look, there's no other person. If we weren't going to keep the Newport group running, like, there's no one else mm-hmm. that should be running it besides you. Like, mm-hmm. you have the heart for this and the fact that you feel bad that you had to let people go already makes you a better person for the position than anybody else who wouldn't care about the effects of those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I, I like that. Like, I don't think that it's a bad subplot in the sense that it's going to, I don't see this being like Sandy turns evil. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think sure, that Sandy know. becomes Darth Sandy. Yeah, at the end of this. yeah. This isn't the, <laughs> this isn't a, a, a Return of the Sith. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like I, I'm sure that Sandy will continue yeah. to have high moral ground. It just, <laughs> it feels like it's just this weird little distraction subplot because they didn't know what to do with Sandy and Kirsten for a while. Yeah. So, which, honestly, this episode wraps up the Charlotte stuff so quick. And, like, it's satisfying. It's very satisfying to watch Julie Cooper flip on on Charlotte. Right? Um, now, what I had wished... What I wished was that this was Julie's plan from the beginning. Uh-huh. Right? Like a form of entrapment. Um but it is really satisfying. This is this is likable Julie Cooper. I would say that that this week and next week are very good episodes for Julie Cooper as a human being. Um, but like, you know, I just finished watching all of Barry for the first time really recently. Uh huh. 
And a show like Barry, you can really see the that the the full runway was thought out from the day they started filming. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like we've watched those shows. Succession is one of those shows that like it was such a clear written runway. Sure. Like you knew once it got to the end, you knew that that's where they always wanted to end up. That's where they always want it to go. I don't think they even know where they want to go by the end of the seasons of the OC, let alone the full storyline. Like it just feels like it almost feels like the OC is somehow an hour long TV drama that has the writing ethos of like a 90s sitcom that's like, how quickly can we get it back to the status quo for the next crazy adventure? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like it's, and I think that that's why I'm really struggling with this. Even like something like Gilmore Girls, like whether we love it or hate it, from day one, Amy Sherman Palandino knew what the ending of Gilmore Girls was supposed to be. Yeah. And every single storyline that she told was going to eventually get her to those final, final words. Now, was it worth it in the long run for those final words? Not particularly. Um, And I'm not going to dive into why I feel that, but let's just say that those words have a lot less of an effect when when the the child in that situation is 30-something years old versus uh, probably the original intention of being, like, fresh out of college. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, regardless... Gilmore Girls feels like everything matters in every episode and that everything is building to a bigger storyline. That is why I think I'm not connecting with the OC the way that I want to is that I don't feel like the writers know where they're going with anything. That is, God, I love, um, I love having friends that like, overthink television (laughs) as much (laughs) as I do. You're totally right in that like, okay, so think about where we know we're going to end this season, right? Yeah, we know that Marissa's dying, but I don't even know if they know that Marissa's dying at this point in the series. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, like it's like... giving, like, negotiation, or it's giving, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's giving, like, we don't really quite know yet what's going to happen with her. But it's so interesting because this was a time when it was, like, it's network television. Like, you know, for the most part, it's network television you are um uh, this is a pre-american horror story season one where people still feel like it's okay to just kind of figure things out as it's happening in real time right like or you do like the first half and then you have mid-season finale and then you do the second half yeah well i mean i think the biggest example we talked about it earlier was marissa's dad Marissa's dad from season the end of season two to where he is at the beginning of season three is clearly that like they had no plan. It was, hey, let's bring back Tate and let's see where that goes. And then they had the summer break or whatever. And they're, and Tate Donovan was like, yeah, I'm not really interested in doing much more of this show. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Let's just Great. have your character be weird and we'll get your ass kicked and you'll just leave. Yeah, be weird. <laughs> I love that. Be weird. Let's just have this character be weird. Let's just have this character like never learn a le- not learn a lesson in two seasons. No, I expect and like I said when we talked about those episodes, we watched him learn lessons. Yeah. We watched him grow. We watched him like 
Like, it's just so frustrating. It doesn't make sense to me because we've already written off Kirsten's sister. And there was such a cute romance between the two of them. Like, why not just write them off into a happy ending into the sunset? Why did it have to be that Jimmy's a piece of shit and now he's a deadbeat father again and he stole more money and he got his ass kicked? Like, it just, it's all very frustrating. Yeah. The one character that I feel like there is a game plan for in this whole show is Ryan. And I think that we get a great example of that with how he handles this Volchek thing, Mm -hmm. where he shows up and he out-crazies Volchek. He breaks the glass bottle. He throws him a piece of wood. He's like, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to brawl the way you want to fucking brawl. Like, And Volchek's like, man, I just wanted to punch you a couple times. (laughs) Like, I don't want to die. Like, this is... Well... This this dude's crazy. (laughs) See, the thing that just kind of also... That it's just... It's a minor annoyance. It's a minor, minor, minor fucking annoyance. But... Yeah. Like, Volchek straight up kidnaps Marissa, right? Yep. (laughs) And they just move past it. Volchek straight up kidnaps Marissa, but, you know... The w- the one toe over the line is Ryan coming with like a bottle, cracking it, and like getting ready to cut someone. Right, like it's yeah. That's that's the toe over the line. Not like Volchek, who has been stalking these teenagers and now has kidnapped one. And it, it's just like it's it's giving like <laughs> it's like because well, we don't. Oh, but like our hero, you know. It's proportionate. That's the other thing, too. Ryan's response is also proportionate to what Volchek has done. And and then even us, we're like, oh, no, this is like, well, because he's almost we're, there. Well, we're watching it as like almost 40-year-old men who are mm-hmm. like, he kidnapped a woman. Like, yeah. you call the police. Yeah. The police find her. She says she's kidnapped. Volchek problem solved because he's arrested and going to have to go to trial for a kidnapping. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I said, it's a temporary pause on what is clearly going to be a reoccurring theme. Yeah. But what I love about the episode at, at this point of the episode, I was like, oh, after like two episodes that I was really into, this was like a two star at the best for me. Mm-hmm. This final scene where him and Marissa are having a conversation and she like kind of asks like did you really want to to kill him and he was like no 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 that was all an act or whatever and then she leaves and he slowly starts punching this punching bag and the aggression starts like going higher and higher and higher to the point that he's like basically bleeding he's punched this bag so hard i was like that's some good ass storytelling that is good storytelling that's good foreshadow that's that actually feels like you're trying to tell us a lot about Ryan's journey so yeah. far without spelling it out for us. And that gave it half a star. I, I ended up ranking this one at 2.5 stars. See, I was going to ask how many uh, how many stars did that get up to? Did that uh, uh, get up? This is about as down the middle as it can be. It was going to lean towards kind of bad. It's like a perfectly average episode because that ending is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you.
Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! I know that you're not a fan of season three really at all. I fucking um, hate season three. Is, have we, let me ask you this. Is there, are there any episodes that you think are very, very good episodes in season three? And if so, have we seen them yet? Honestly, I, I don't even, I can't even tell you. All right. Because I know we've got a Chrismica episode on the horizon, but. I can't tell you because at the halfway point, they start to introduce things where like it becomes very apparent that like they know that Marissa is going to die. Gotcha. So we're still in the who knows, maybe she'll sign a new contract with us type stage. And after the potentially like, we'll talk about that in yeah. the next episode. But like, OK, uh, it's one of those things where like I things happen where I'm just like, why? Like, I need to skip this. And and I'm a completist, so I can't. So it's like you have it on in the background and you're still watching YouTube, right? Like you. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing other things, waiting for those season, those episodes to go by. I know exactly the world you're talking about, Joe. Well, Joe, sometimes the OC hurts us, but usually music is always healing for us. So let's usually, talk. Usually, yes. Let's talk about this all Subways soundtrack that we got this week uh, on the on the podcast. We get three songs by this band, the Subways. Never heard of them. Uh, but it kicks off with Rock and Roll Queen, which is plays when they're at a Subway's concert with with Ryan and Johnny. Um, then, as Heather shows up to the club, we start to get Oh Yeah by the Subway's. And then at the end of the episode, when Ryan's beating the shit out of a punching bag, we hear, I want to hear what you have got to say from the Subway's. So the question is, Joe... Were you able to pick out a Subway song you liked, or are you going to lean on Phantom Planet again? Uh, forgettable. Sorry, I don't. Sorry to this. What does Kiki Palmer say? I'm sorry to this man. I'm sorry yeah. uh, to Subways, but it is Phantom Planet, you know, California. Also, I don't think like I was listening to the music when I was trying to be like because you texted me what you said about the episode before oh, you were trying to find what was the before thing i watched it and i was like yeah. oh now i'm now i'm actually 
invested. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to do that to you. I did pick a Subway song. I've never heard of this band, but uh, the first song they were playing, Rock and Roll Queen, I was like, this seems like the type of stuff I would like. Um, then I heard the other two songs and I was like, okay, so the Subways has like one song that I think I might like mm-hmm. is what my takeaway was. Um, let's talk pop culture though, Joe, and I'm not going to stop talking about music because I watched a very well-made heartbreaking documentary on, I want to say Peacock, simply titled Millie Vanilli about the history of Millie Vanilli. And boy, I mean, that is the, the way that that group was ultimately treated for for something that in my mind was never that big of a deal to begin with. It's it's fascinating. And I don't want to spoil too much of it. Go check it out. It's a quick 90-minute doc. It's it's really informative. It's really interesting. You will feel a ton for the guys. Actually, at the time that we're recording this, just a couple days ago, the mastermind behind Millie Vanilli uh, passed away. Let's just say that they imply that he's had a track record of getting away with writing catchy songs and then hiring attractive men to pretend to be the lead vocalist of a band while they lip synced to his songs. So phenomenal songwriter for sure, but uh, kind of let a lot of people take the hit for his idea to do this. Um, Which sucks because they can actually sing. Yeah. like I mean, they're yeah. not like amazing sing. Like, it's not like you're just like, oh my God, Millie. It's not like when you hear like, t-pain sing for the first time and you're like why was this guy auto-tuning his voice he's incredible but they can carry a tune they can hold a note and they can carry a tune which is more than a lot of people who are famous singers can actually do so it's it's uh it's really an unfortunate thing but yeah joe if you haven't watched it highly recommend it so i listened to les culturistas Mm -hmm. you know anyone who has known me knows that i love that show i've not been listening to les culturistas the last two weeks which is uncharacteristic for me mainly because they've been doing spoilery episodes of the traitors oh so i've and i've also not been in the mood to watch the traitors because i've been comfort watching a show that is so good and so much fun i've been comfort watching superstore on i watched the first three seasons of superstore and i loved it and then I just kind of, similar to like a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Bob's Burgers, it was like, I fell off, I blinked my eyes, and suddenly there was like four or five seasons that I was behind, and I was just like, guess I'll never finish that show. <laughs> but yeah. I've heard nothing but great things that I should re rediscover uh, you really Superstore. Should. You really should. It's so... It's so good, and it's also like, it's so smart without being... Like, it doesn't hit you over the head with the quote-unquote wokeness of it, right? Like, yeah, it's just, like, it's so smart and fun. It's like, a, it's like the perfect workplace comedy. And, I mean, yeah, do I love uh, whoever the lead guy is, whatever the fuck his name is, Ben Feldman? Yes, I love Ben Feldman. I'm a huge America Fer- Ferrero fan. I have been um, since, which, by the way, you know, shout out to her for her... Um, Academy Award nomination. Um, I don't know if this will be out before the Academy Awards, but uh, I love the fact that Ugly Betty has like an acad- uh, has been nominated for Academy Award. I I mean I'm trying to get back into the the because I like I said I never finished Brooklyn Nine Nine. I finally watched Abbott Elementary. I'm working my way through New Girl uh, for like the first real time. 
like during the pandemic, that was like a threw on the background while doing work for seven hour shows. So I never really paid attention to it. I just overheard conversation on my television every once in a while. Sure. So, uh, but I love a good sitcom, man. I am way more happier with a 30 minute sitcom than an hour long drama any day of the week. Like I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. And, um, and it's been great because like they handled COVID really well. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, like Were you at Comic Con the year that they had the Cloud Nine store as part of the like anybody could walk in, yeah, displays. That was so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Like they they did just such a good job with it in terms of being aware and like also doing like not. not I think that they did a fairly good job of representing like that industry, especially from like this you know struggling store. Um, mm-hmm. and they did a really good job with that in COVID. Um, they handled, it was the perfect also like, cause there was always, there was a planned exit for America Ferrera after season five. It was the season before COVID broke out. And so then when COVID breaks out, they like, she comes back, she ends her stuff, she leaves and then comes back. Spoiler alert for, uh, you know, for, uh, Superstore. But she does come back before the end of the show to help, like, close it out. All right. Which is so I mean, cool. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I, it's, I feel like we're in a really, well, it's hard to say. I was going to say, I think we're in a golden age for the sitcom. <laughs> Are you but in a golden like, age of television? <laughs> but, like, I, I think that there is a very specific type of sitcom in the last 10 years that has been being made. And I want to, obviously, obviously, I'm going to say this and it's my favorite show of all time, but still that I think was like brought on by shows like Scrubs. Mm -hmm. This idea of a, Hey, let's do a sitcom without a laugh track. Let's do a sitcom that has consistent serialized storytelling. Like let's like really do this for real. Yeah. And I think that we have this great golden age of those type of sitcoms where you're getting Scrubs and The Office and Parks and Recreation and Superstore and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Abbott Elementary and The Good Place and like all of these smart sitcoms where like you have to watch every episode to like really follow why it's so special and important. But while this is happening, we are also getting kind of the worst that we've ever seen of the laugh track sitcom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the, the laugh track sitcoms that are still being produced have been like, they, they're not just like swing and misses. They're like fully uncomfortably misses. bad. Like I had a family that loved the ranch on Netflix and I could not get through like, two minutes of any given episode where I'm like, this is just painful. This is painfully unfunny, but they loved, they loved their big bang theory. They loved that. I'm sure they're going to love extended family. Like they love two, two and a half men. Like that whole world of comedy is like their bread and butter. And to me, it is the bane of my comedy existence. I I was, (laughs) I was actually going to mention extended family because like, I, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but like the trend of like Peacock and streamers releasing these like multicam laugh track 
<laughs> like sitcoms in, in the age of like in a post like vaccination era yeah. post COVID. You don't have to do this. Where you, like, yeah, you don't have to do this, but it's just like there's a nostalgia to, to it. And I watched every episode of How I Met Your Father. It was never good. Like, I was like, I just kept, because I loved How I Met Your Mother so much in college that I was like, maybe it will, maybe it will find its footing in its second season. And then it was thankfully canceled before I had to force myself to sit through a third season and hope for the best. You were like, I can't, I'm so glad this, I'm so glad I've they removed Temptation. Yes, exactly. Because it was like, this is awful. And it is, it's that multi-cam laugh track show just like doesn't work for me mm-hmm. it it almost never really did like like i like seinfeld but that doesn't even really count to a certain extent so much of that is like pre-taped on the street segments and shit but like yeah that is but yeah i i am gonna put superstore on my list of shows to to give another another uh sporting chance to and you got to get caught up on on the traders man you got to be part of my text chain of human beings that i message talking about it oh my god yeah but i, I will tell you i'm not i i feel like i'm in the minority a lot of people are loving this new season i miss having a couple normies mixed in there Having having five damn real housewives or whatever it is all in one thing, I'm like, there's a reason why I don't watch these fucking shows I know. in the first place. But all right. Well, Joe, housewives have some white people problems, and so do the people at Newport Beach. So we will be back next week to talk about at least one set of white people problems and uh, mostly of the OC variety. fan of young adult novels have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels then join author eric j brown and Alyssa lube of netflix's the circle every other tuesday on yaok available on all podcasting apps Woo! At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- what? My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.